Hi, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Blame It on the Aliens. I'm your host, Callie, and this week's episode is going to be all paranormal ghost stories. I, I'll be honest, I'm a chicken. I have a creepy podcast and I literally get so scared reading ghost stories alone, like during the recordings of my episodes that I tend to avoid it. I don't know. I feel like I'm inviting something creepy, not welcome in somehow. So I'll be, yeah, that's just my my perspective. Like I'm very weird about paranormal stories and like reading them alone. FYI, I record in my literal closet, like is terrifying to me. So I recently went to New Orleans for a weekend trip and had a little bit of a creepy experience that I will share in my outro that actually not even a little bit creepy, like very creepy. Um, So it got me to thinking like New Orleans is like a creepy place. New Orleans, Louisiana is 100% haunted. So I wanted to find New Orleans stories and boy, did I. And they're pretty, pretty freaking scary. So I am excited for you guys to hear this. And if you've ever been to New Orleans, if you haven't, it's a really interesting place. Um, A lot of creepy, rich history, and just a lot of paranormal voodoo type of things go on there that I find fascinating, but terrifying. So as always, rate, review, subscribe if you're enjoying my show, and let's get into it. A few years ago, I was going through a rough patch financially and was looking for just about any job that would pay decent and had flexible hours. I used to work as a housekeeper and quite honestly, it was something that I was hoping would come up as a job opportunity. At that time, I was living in Vashery, Louisiana, which was kind of far from all the major hustle and bustle that Louisiana has to offer. Lucky for me, a friend of mine told me about a small housekeeping job that her boss had mentioned. They were looking for someone to come in two times a week to clean the first and second floors of this house that was located in downtown New Orleans. To fast forward things a bit, I ended up going down to the place. Huge, beautiful French home, literally in the heart of New Orleans. And I got the job. The first day was... Vanilla, nothing but work, you know. I did what I was there to do, and as I got ready to leave, I got a whiff of this horrible stench, almost like burnt, rotten meat. I thought to myself, shit, did I forget to take out the trash? So I ran to the kitchen, and the smell faded. I kept checking, but couldn't find the source of the smell. 
after double checking everything I left. When I came back the day after, I was in the second floor dusting the parlor area when I heard chains being dragged on the floor. At first it startled me and I just brushed it off as someone outside, but then I heard it again and again. It was definitely coming from inside the house. So I ran as fast as I could downstairs to tell the other housekeeper that somebody else could possibly be inside. It was only the two of us there that day. She just looked at me and told me to mind my own business and kept working. That it was nothing. She was kind of a mean old lady, but I shrugged it off and went back upstairs. Again, out of nowhere, that putrid stench of burnt rotten meat filled the air. It was very annoying because just like that, it randomly came and went. Some days you'd smell it downstairs, others upstairs. And later on that day when I was using the restroom, I heard this huge commotion upstairs on the third floor and what sounded like a young girl screaming and a woman chasing after her to get in here. I was literally like, what the fuck? And I opened the door and heard running upstairs and then it stopped. The yelling, the screaming, everything. I went back downstairs and at this point, I was frustrated and told the other housekeeper what I had just heard. She looked at me and she says, you never hear anything, okay? It's best if you just go on as if you don't notice a thing. Thing is, she assured me there was no one there, that we were fine. Needless to say, while I worked at that house a whole month, because that's how long I could take, I had heard repetition of the same yelling, screaming, and chasing. Other days, I'd hear chains dragging and dropping on the floor. But the thing that did it for me was when I was taking my lunch break on the second floor and heard a sudden cry of agony and despair followed by the sound of chains that seemed to be coming from the third floor. I panicked, thinking someone was hurt and needed help. So as soon as I was getting up to go get help, I see a tall, dark man with chains around his neck. And just like that, I ran out of the house as quick as possible. I never even told the person that hired me that I had no intentions of returning. I just stopped showing up. As rude as that seems, I could care less. I just wanted nothing to do with that place. Anyway, it wasn't until four years later when I had long moved away from Louisiana that I had returned to New Orleans with my boyfriend on vacation. We decided to do one of their spooky history tours. And I tell you, when I saw that familiar building, my heart sank. Anxiety was building up inside of me as the tour guide told the story of the building I once used to work at and the horrible, tragic, malicious things that happened there. I felt sick to my stomach and I begged my boyfriend and I to go back to the hotel. When I worked at the infamous Lollery Mansion, I never knew the history. Heck, I haven't even ever heard of it. But after the tour facts and doing my own research, everything I experienced there made sense. It still gives me goosebumps to this day, remembering that the day I heard 
Madame LaLaurie chasing after what could have been a slave girl upstairs in the third floor. And I'm almost positive it was her. Also, I will add that the stench of rotten burnt meat could have been the spirits of the many slaves that died tortured by the hands of that evil woman. All right, I don't talk about this much because, well, it seems weird, but this seems like a good place to talk about it. I live in an old, for America, home in uptown New Orleans. The house was built in the 1870s out of barge boards from the Mississippi port. I'm about four blocks from the river. I love my house, and now I get the feeling that it loves me and my family. However... Over the 20-some years we've lived there, there have been some experiences that we have all had. I'll start with the first time we noticed something that we just couldn't explain. My wife and I moved here about 20 or so years ago when I was in graduate school, and I spent a lot of time at my lab. She was sitting on the front porch one evening with a couple of friends, and One of her friends asked her why I was wandering around the front room wearing a cowboy hat. I wasn't in the house. Both my wife and her friend saw a moving figure behind the curtains of the two windows of the front room and then at the front door. She and her friend told me about it and I just laughed at them and told them to lay off the wine. Well, we had only been here for about a month at that time. Soon after that little things started happening to both of us while we were home. The first stuff was that we had wall candle holders in our hallway and living room that would shake. At first, I thought it was maybe vibrations from the washing machine or maybe from ships or train traffic at the port. But one day when it was shaking, it was going on in the living room and I was working on my laptop on the couch and I just got frustrated and yelled, Please go somewhere else. Immediately, the wall candles in the living room stopped shaking and it started up in the hallway. I said, thanks, got back to work, but I was a little shaken by the fact that the vibrations seemed to respond to my request. We had two dogs at the time, an enormous American bulldog and a boxer. They were nice, playful dogs, but sometimes they would flip out in the front room and living room like they had cornered something. I mean, they would go full-on animal psycho, teeth bared and hackles up, sometimes for several minutes. If I tried to get them to stop, they would block me from coming in the room and keep me in their rear while they stayed keyed in on whatever the hell they saw. After that happened a few times, things started to get a little more weird. We would come home to find open cabinets, towels that were folded, pulled out of the bathroom closet and piled in the bedroom. I have some conga drums that are mounted to a very stable stand and they would be knocked over and off the stand. The dogs couldn't even reach the towels or the upper cabinets, so I don't think they were the culprits. We have really high ceilings and all of the interior doors have transom windows above them. Several times I was sitting in the living room. I felt like I was being watched and I would look up to see shadows and sometimes what looked like eyes 
and a smiling face in the transoms. This is like 10 or so feet off the floor and the doors were generally open so I know nothing or no one was just standing in the door. The weirdest thing that happened to me though was when my wife was out of town and I was alone in the house, just me and the dogs. I'd been out with some friends watching a band and having a good time. I came home with a head full of beer and turned on the TV and basically just passed out on the couch. I had a vivid dream that there was a dude in a hat in the room and that he came over to me while I was sleeping on the couch. I was on my back and my left hand on my chest and he stood over me for a bit. I could see this in my dream from the perspective of someone else sitting across from the room. Like I could see this play out from a perspective that wasn't mine. The dude in the hat reached out like in a cartoon where someone takes keys from a sleeping guard and pulled my wedding ring off my finger. All of this I can convince myself was just a dream. But I woke up with the start to the sound of metal hitting a hardwood floor. It was my wedding ring that was spinning on the floor clear across the room. I almost shit myself and then the dogs went nuts and seemed to chase something down the hall. I followed them screaming like a caveman that shit had to stop and whatever or whoever was there was not welcome and needed to get out of my house. Maybe it was a drunken dream and I pulled the ring off my finger and flung it across the room, but it was a wild experience. Things settled down a lot after that. Some stuff still happened, candle shaking, coming home to running faucets, showers, etc. But nothing like what was happening before the ring incident. Fast forward about eight years and we have a baby. The baby slept in our bedroom in a crib until it outgrew it. Then we made the front room his bedroom. He was talking by this time in the first few nights he slept in there. He said there was a guy named John Hembers in his room that was not a nice guy. We freaked out at this point and talked with some folks about what to do. My wife and I hung some stuff, like little boxes that contained prayers in the interior doors and just stated that you, John Hembers, are not welcome here and you must leave. A few weeks later, I was sitting in the living room and looked up out the front of the window and the front door and I swear, I saw a guy in a hat standing on the porch looking in. It wasn't like a real person, but like a shadow where it shouldn't have been. I went out there and there was nothing there. But when I walked back into the house, it felt and smelled different. It was cooler and smelled faintly like fresh bread. We still see things, but not faces or people. Now, every once in a while, we catch out of the corner of our eyes little lights, like birthday candle flame-sized lights in the transoms or when we come home from a trip, and that is usually accompanied by a pleasant food smell and a happy feeling. I don't know if we are all just a little nuts, but I experienced this stuff in my home. There was something bad here and now it's gone and the house is much happier and so are we. Let me preface this by saying, I know the story sounds insane. 
And if anyone told me the story, I'm so skeptical that I don't know that I would believe them. But it happened to me and I need to share it. About nine years ago, my then four-year-old and I went on a two-week, five-state road trip. The last week of the trip, we stayed at the Dolphin Orleans in New Orleans. I don't know if y'all remember, but it was the summer that there were record-breaking heat waves and everyone was actually being discouraged from traveling. Well, we lived in Southeast Texas at the time where it was hot, so we figured we could be hot there or hot traveling. So we traveled. Since travel was down that summer, we got some really good discounts on hotels. The room we got at the Dolphin is normally reserved for honeymooners, or at least not for anyone under 18. I say this because our room was separate from the main part of the hotel, but wasn't across the street if you're familiar. The Dolphin at one time had slave quarters and was a bordello. Anyway, so we checked in on a Monday and stayed through Sunday. As the week went on, little weird things started to happen. So Tuesday night, I went out onto our balcony. Our room took up the entire floor, and the balcony was the length of the room and had the stairs that led to the door. I was greeted by a middle-aged black maintenance man who said he was lighting our outside lanterns. No problem, he did his job and went on his way. Wednesday, our key card stopped working and I got it reprogrammed at the front desk. Also, the batteries on our remote stopped working. Thursday, we had pizza delivered and I stepped outside to find a trash receptacle large enough for it and was greeted by the same black middle-aged maintenance man, this time at the bottom of our stairs, who said he'd take care of it for us. Friday night, I was uploading vacation photos to Facebook. It was back when it was a bit longer process to upload than it is now. My baby was asleep and in my head I said, as soon as this last pickup loads, I'm gonna watch a little TV. At the exact second I hit upload, the TV turned on by itself and was full blast sound. It always turned on at a top volume. I don't know why and it was slightly annoying. I jumped up and ran to the bed to grab the remote that was sitting on the edge and turned it down as quickly as I could. I stepped back and was standing in the middle of the room, but closer to the doors, French doors, of course. And that's when this orb appeared. It was solid, but not solid. It was round, but not a perfect circle. It was more like plasma than anything. And although it didn't have a face, as it slowed down and passed by me, I could tell it was looking at me. The funny thing was, when it realized I was looking back at it, it got scared and zoomed off and disappeared. I looked everywhere in the room trying to figure out if there was some way to recreate what I'd seen or try to give some rational explanation for what I'd seen. I couldn't find any, so I called my friend who was an insomniac. This was about 2 a.m. She instructed me to tell who or whatever was there they needed to leave because they were scaring me and I had a baby to take care of. So I made her stay on the phone with me while I said it. By this time, I was sitting at the desk, which is where I was when I was uploading the photos. The bathroom was to my right if I was facing the desk and the rest of the room to the left. I happened to be facing the bed, so as I spoke to the room, 
a cold breeze flew past me. Later the next week, when I was at work, a coworker walked past me quickly and it was the exact same feeling of cool air moving past. So I talked to her for a little while longer and then tried to get some sleep. I also ended up calling another friend who's a cop and super level-headed to calm me down. Anyways, I laid down and just tried to close my eyes. Every few seconds, I'd open them again and look around to see if I saw anything and then try to close them again. And one of the times I opened them, I see this figure start to appear out of the wall. I mean, like it was moving through the wall. I could tell it was a woman. I could see her dress and some of her hair, and just as her face was coming through, I gasped. Apparently, she was just as surprised that I could see her as I was. She jumped back into the wall, or through it, I don't know. It was all too much at that point, and I just held my baby close and went to sleep. Saturday. I should preface this with the fact that we were booked through Sunday. And since it was less than 24 hours notice, if I had canceled our room and just checked out, we wouldn't have gotten a refund per their policy. I was freaked out by what had happened, but I'm frugal and wasn't about to waste money. I talked to a few of the people who work there. One of them, the main security guard, is incredulous as I tell him I saw the woman until I described her. Then he said, wow, you did see her. According to him, he and one other guy there had ever seen her and they'd been working there for forever. I also told him about the orb and he said, that's weird, they usually see that in room blank, which shared a wall with our room. Then he tries to tell me not to worry and that they probably didn't even know I was there. Then the bartender comes out and she says, oh, she probably came to check on you because you have a kid. We think she had a kid or likes to watch over kids. So we go back to our room and I put the baby to bed. Then I find this book in the desk that tells you all these things to do while in New Orleans. There were other guidebooks out in other places, so I never looked in the desk and never opened this book. Really, it was more like a binder. Toward the back, I see a tab that says paranormal or something to that effect. So I turn to it. They'd had at least one paranormal team visit the hotel. I want to say maybe more than one, but I don't remember exactly. The findings of the investigation were that a soldier who could be found wandering in one of the courtyards was there, a dancing girl who had been seen dancing on our balcony, and a middle-aged black maintenance man. That was enough for me. I closed the book, put it back in the desk, and went to bed. I woke up the next morning and started rushing out trying to pack since we had to check out. I ran around closing every drawer and door and then stopped dead in my tracks. I hadn't opened the drawers and doors, but they were all just standing open when I woke up. About two years ago, I took my now ex-girlfriend to New Orleans for her 21st birthday. Pretty awesome birthday gift, if you ask me. She was always into creepy stuff, and New Orleans, being the most haunted city in the United States, was right up her alley. 
I was 24 at the time, and this was the first relatively exotic vacation I have ever been on without my family, unless you count Oregon. This being my first full-on vacation, it cost a whole hell of a lot of money, so I opted out of a hotel and found a really cool hostel for us to stay at since I had planned out a week-long stay for us. It is called the St. Vincent Guest House. After doing some research, I decided this would be the best place for us to stay because they offered private rooms with queen beds on top of the fact that it was an old building that probably had some rich history behind it. We get to town on Saturday, move our stuff into the room, which was actually in a lot more decent condition than I thought it would be, and immediately went to Bourbon Street to get ourselves some booze. The week goes on and we're getting very accustomed to the neighborhood restaurants and especially the workers at our hostel. We soon learned that the hostel, which was three double vaulted stories tall, so essentially six, used to be an orphanage that was built in 1861. Most of the orphans died of yellow fever, chilling in and of itself. The week continues and we're having a blast and enjoying the food and culture and the alcohol all day and even more alcohol at night. Since we were just such a short walk from Bourbon Street, we tended to walk from St. Vincent's and back. Everything was going great until Wednesday morning. We wake up around noon and I roll around in bed for a minute next to her. When I finally sit up, I notice one of the chairs belonging to our bedroom's table was turned towards my side of the bed. It was sitting about a foot away from me. I was pointed in my direction, and the seat was wet. I've heard about paranormal activity involving residual pools of water as phenomena, but I'd never experienced it personally. My ex was not nearly as phased as I was. I searched the ceiling for leaks and looked at the gallon of water we had bought ourselves, but there was no culprit. I'm still a bit of a skeptic when it comes to a lot of things like this, but for Christ's sake, if it's all real, then some ghost child was sitting next to me, literally hovering over me as I slept. It shook me to my core and I'll probably never forget it. I went onto a forum that day and spent about two hours talking it through with people and they all tried to dismiss it as fake. But man alive, was it chilling. Too much of it made sense and there was no evidence supporting any falseness to it. So I'm left with this story and the belief that I was being observed by a child that has been dead for almost 150 years. Kudos to New Orleans for living up to its reputation. I often sit and think of my time growing up outside of New Orleans. Living in a place of such diversity, both human and natural, is bound to create experiences that are unforgettable. These memories range along a sliding scale from euphoric to downright frightening. I could tell you about the time that my neighbors accused me of wearing a mask and peeping in their windows at night. Apparently their son, my age, around 13 then, swears that someone looks in his window every night. I became somewhat of a pariah until they caught the dude that was doing it. 
I could tell you about the time that my father got the phone bill that had upwards of $1,000 in phone sex charges on it. And needless to say, as the only son, I was accused. After a week or so of proclaiming my innocence, my father calls the phone company only to discover that the calls were all made while we were out of town on vacation. That isn't creepy, except that with further investigation, we discovered that someone had broken into our house to do it. This story is about something even creepier, at least to me. Our neighborhood was on the outskirts of a suburb of New Orleans. We were effectively the last bastion of humanity before the 70,000 acre Honey Island Swamp. In fact, our house was the last row of houses before the wilderness began. The rear of our house faced into the fringe of shrubbery and brambles that was the doorway to this pristine and largely unexplored wilderness. I spent many days exploring an ever-increasing concentric circle of this jungle. It was amazing to a young boy who fancied himself a soldier and in fact grew up to be one. Always at my side was my trusty dog, a golden retriever who was a year older than me. He was my parents' first child. He was very old, but very spry, and he would never let me out of his sight. After about a year or so of exploration, my domain had expanded to about a mile in any direction from my backyard. Due to the terrain, the marshy land, the sometimes thick undergrowth, even getting that far out sometimes took a hike of a couple of hours. Summer was nearing an end and I decided to push farther out. I wanted to wake up early, pack a little lunch and see how far I could go. So I did. My trusty dog, a bag lunch and myself began out one morning right after dawn. By mid morning, we were breaching in a territory that I hadn't seen. We came upon a finger of shallow stagnant river covered in green algae. It took about an hour to find a relatively easy crossing, and we waded through the muck and ended up sitting down under a sprawling oak tree, the first patch of dry land that we could find, to dry out and eat some of the snacks I had taken along. We didn't rest long before I looked around to find that I wasn't exactly sure which way I had come from. That bothered me a bit, but more concerning was the fact that the sky was turning black as the not-so-unusual summer thunderstorm was rolling in. The standard noises of the marsh had stopped. There were no more insects humming or chirping, no more tree frogs croaking, only the sound of the rising wind in the foliage. Nature knew that it was time to find shelter, and I was feeling a bit lost in the swamp. We packed up and pushed on, looking for something familiar to help me get my bearings. Unlike Tennessee, where I reside now, Louisiana is so flat that orienting in the wilderness is almost impossible. We walked for about another 10 to 15 minutes or so in some direction that felt like it was generally back towards home, and we came upon a clearing. This clearing was obviously man-made due to the chop marks on tree stumps, but there was no obvious ingress or egress for wheeled vehicles. And when I say clearing, I really mean that the underbrush and saplings were cleared. The tree canopy was very much unbroken. This gave the area a somewhat cathedral-type feeling, 
with only the trunks of massive live oaks standing like pillars. As I made my way around this anomaly, I get a very bad feeling. I start to notice animal bones drawn out. I notice that the whole place has an odd smell. In the middle of this clearing are three crosses made from timber lashed together. The crosses were charred and appeared to have been recently burned. The hair on the back of my neck stood up and I freeze in my tracks. The bottom drops out of the sinister clouds overhead. This was the type of pouring rain that can't be described to someone who has never experienced it. I mean, it was like a wall of water with raindrops that are so big that they splash instead of pelt. I'm slowly backing away from this clearing and call my dog who had wandered off to chew on a bone that was laying about. He doesn't come, but I call him again, yelling loudly to overcome the crescendo of noise that the rain and the foliage is making in unison. As soon as the last syllable leaves my lips, a figure steps out from behind a tree about a hundred yards away. The rain makes details at that distance almost imperceptible, but I swear to you, he was wearing a tall peaked white hood and gown. I could feel the eyes searing into me through the black holes cut in his garment. I felt evil all around me. I froze. I didn't know what to do. But as soon as he lunged forward as if he was about to sprint in my direction, my body took over. I ran. I ran with such force that I made it out of the clearing and into the brambles faster than seemed humanly possible. I reached the green algae-covered finger of a river and instead of finding a crossing, I dove in. I ran until I couldn't run. I ran until my body was soaked with sweat and rain. I ran until I realized that I was totally lost and my dog was nowhere nearby. His old legs couldn't have kept up with me this long in a dead sprint. I didn't stop running for what seemed like hours. About dusk, the rain stopped and my run had turned to more of a clumsy stumbling. Call it luck, but right at about the time that the panic of being lost was about to set its icy claws in me, I came upon a two-lane asphalt road. Surprisingly, I recognized the stretch of road and knew that I was about two miles from my house. I made my way home and breathlessly told my parents what I had experienced. I don't think they believed me, but they were very concerned about why our dog wasn't with me. For several tense days, I canvassed the neighborhood hoping that he would find me. We called the animal shelters and vets offices hoping that if someone had picked him up, they would call us. He showed up at our house almost a week after we had parted ways. I ran up to him and hugged him. The old boy collapsed when we got inside. He was dirty and matted with filth. He smelled awful, but there he was, and I was never happier. The strangest thing about it all wasn't his weight loss as that would be completely explainable with him having to forage for food in the wilderness. It was that he was missing an eye. That is no metaphor or euphemism. I mean, he was quite literally missing his left eye. I didn't notice at first because he was 
so covered in muck, but somehow he'd lost an eye. It's a happy ending of sorts. We took him to the vet who examined him and proclaimed that he probably got it poked out by a branch or a stick as he was running through the woods. The vet acted like that sort of injury wasn't terribly unusual. He lived about another year or so, and we put down our faithful companion at the ripe age of 15. About 20 years after that, I still feel regret for leaving him behind as I ran, and I still get goosebumps picturing that man in the hood and cloak lunging towards me in the pouring rain deep in the Louisiana woods. I was lead bartender at a pool hall on the outskirts of New Orleans for about 10 years. Our main patrons were older men who mostly lived alone. We were the spot they came to socialize. Many came for long hours every day, whether they played pool that particular day or not. Over the years, many of these men passed, a few even dying in the building. We had a few fatal heart attacks and a stroke victim who passed before the EMTs could get there. Sadly, this bar was the last place many of these men had felt happy and needed in their lives, which I think may have drawn some of them back after passing. Also, bars have been long rumored to be favorite hangouts for earthbound spirits who didn't realize they're dead and are craving one more drink or smoke or possibly game of pool in this case. There was definitely activity in the bar pool hall, though it was on and off. A male voice would loudly say my name directly in my ear with the blast of warm air as if it had breath when I was nowhere near any living person. At the beginning of my shift, the bar would usually be empty, so I would go into the office to count the money in the gaming safe. I would always keep the camera feeds up on the monitor just in case someone came in. I can't tell you how many times I would look at the monitor and see someone sitting at the bar waiting for service, even though I hadn't heard the door chime. I'd head out to the bar only for it to be empty. Most often, it was a really pale white guy with dark hair white tee, black jacket. One day, my first customer of the shift came in and sat in the seat that the pasty guy had been in on the camera feed for about an hour or two before. I didn't say anything, not wanting to sound crazy. I was behind the bar and about 10 feet from the customer when he screamed like a little girl and jumped up so fast that he sent his chair flying backwards. He swore up and down that someone had grabbed his leg and squeezed. He said that he could feel the individual fingers and everything. We were the only two people in the bar. He left immediately, still shaking. I saw people in the peripheral that weren't there when I turned towards them. Many times I would be serving drinks and call out, I'll be right with you as soon as I finish here, before turning to see no one. I thought it might just be me seeing things but it literally never happened anywhere else except at work. 
And several times, customers remarked that they could have sworn they had seen someone who had just been standing there as well. To get behind the bar, you had to go to the end farthest from the entrance where a section of the bar lifted up like a door. To the right was where the bartending happened, but to the left was a hallway that had the office and rooms with the safes, extra liquor bottles, etc. Basically, everything down that hallway had a lot of value, and the bartenders were expected to make sure that no one came behind the bar or gained access to the hallway. I always saw people walking back there. Not from my peripheral either. I mean, these people looked very solid and real. I could easily describe their skin and hair color, outfits, the whole shebang. I would go running back there, check all three rooms down the hallway and not find a soul, even though the only way out would have been to pass me. This happened all the time, whether I was slow or busy. It actually seemed to happen more when the bar was packed. My regulars were very familiar with this routine and teased me about it unmercifully. However, word of this did cause my coworkers to begin sharing their own experiences with me. So I was able to get some confirmation at least. The activity, which had always been intermittent, got really intense for almost two months. Then everything stopped for months. The guy who got his leg grabbed and a few other regulars who had witnessed some things commented on it. So did my coworkers. No one chasing a shadow, no disappearing customers. It was great. A few months after the activity stopped at the bar, I'm taking a shower at home, stand-up shower, no tub, and I noticed that the far right corner of my shower seemed very dim peeked my head out to make sure none of our three bathroom bulbs had burned out. They were all shining away. I shrugged it off, even though I had a slightly unsettling feeling. It was nothing major. This continued for several weeks, although not every day, and the feeling of unease grew. It wasn't always dim over there, but when it was, I swear I could feel it before even looking. The shower is my happy place, and I hated this newfound creepiness invading it. I tried to think of every possible explanation, seasonal changing of the angle of sunlight, weather or cloud condition, my mental state, I mean, you name it. However, I had lived there over five years at this point and had never seen anything remotely like this. I have one tiny bathroom window with thickly frosted glass and a screen, so it's never really affected the lighting in the bathroom and it's angled away from the shower. As time went on, the dimness grew more pronounced. It now looked more like a diffused, shadowy mist than a dim spot. The feeling of unease began to change too. I started feeling like someone was watching me while I showered. I found myself refusing to close my eyes or turn around when showering and seriously considered how long I could go between showers before it became noticeable. I'd been trying to convince myself that it was all some kind of stress-induced, psychosomatic weird thing that my brain was doing or a strange type of vision anomaly, but I was unsuccessful. I finally accepted that there was actually something there, watching me at my most vulnerable. Enough was enough. I contacted a friend and 
told him what I'd felt and I expressed my desire to do a house cleansing. I didn't want to do it alone and he agreed to come over in two days. Feeling better about the whole situation, I had a slightly smug air as I started my shower that night. And lo and behold, there was no darkness, no shadows, no weird feelings. Yes, maybe I had been tripping after all, so to speak. I'm under the water with my eyes closed, enjoying the hell out of my bright, peaceful shower when a shock of alarm jolted through me. It felt like someone was standing right there in front of me and staring at me hard. When I opened my eyes, the shadow was there and looked different than ever before. It was much darker. I mean, there was clearly a visible oval or egg-shaped center of deeper darkness in the middle of the shadow, although I could still see through it. The top of it was slightly lower than my upper chest. I'm just under five feet, and it didn't have hard edges, just kind of diffused out of lighter shadow. The oval was roughly three feet from top to bottom and about a foot and a half wide. I stood, frozen, just staring at it for a few seconds. It was like my brain was having trouble processing what I was seeing. Then my brain started working again, and I jumped out of the shower, stark naked and half-rinsed, ran through the house, dripping shampoo and water everywhere, yelling, what the fuck, over and over. It's pretty freaking hilarious to picture it now, but at the time, I was scared shitless. I skipped my shower the next day. When my friend arrived the day after, I frantically filled him in on what had been happening that night and we agreed to do the cleansing, although I did leave out the part about running around naked and yelling. He had his little smirk on his face, so I asked him if he believed me. I mean, I believe that you saw something. Slightly patronizing, but understandable. Besides, I thought that having a skeptic on hand could be a good thing. So I started burning herbs on charcoal and calling in protection. We began in the living room. As soon as I called for protection, my friend jumped and gasped, eyes popping out of his face. He took a few steps back and sat on the couch. He was very pale and had his ankles tightly crossed and his hands clasped firmly in his lap, elbows tucked in, sitting very straight. Although he didn't know this, he had automatically assumed a pose recommended to close off your energy or aura. The poor guy looked horrified. He claimed that as soon as I called for protection, a bone-chilling blast of frigid air went straight through his entire body. I was standing right in front of him at the time, and he was amazed that I didn't feel anything. He was completely freaked out. I convinced him that finishing the cleansing was important after experiencing something like that, so he bravely got up and helped me cleanse my place. After we were through, I decided to let the herbs finish burning out in the shower. When I went to the shower, which we had just spent a lot of time in smoking it out with herbs, there was a single fat black fly lying dead on its back right in the corner the shadow liked to hang. We were both absolutely certain it wasn't there a few seconds before. While I realized flies get into houses, the timing and placement were freaky as hell. I've been here seven or eight years now, and that was the first, last, and only time that I've ever found one of those big black corpse flies in my apartment. 
I haven't had any issues with shadows in my shower since. To this day, my friend gets noticeably weird and freaked out when I bring up the cleansing, so I like to do it when we're drinking, and his expressions are even funnier than usual. But I don't think it was a shadow person or demon or anything like that. I think it was a ghost without the energy to fully manifest, but who still liked to peep on 20-something females while they were showering. I never saw or felt it anywhere or anytime else while I was in my place. Pervert. Also, think it most likely was that pasty guy who liked to mess with me at work just eventually following me home, but who knows? He's long gone now, probably lurking in the corner of some other poor woman's shower. I've been a long time lurker here, and I understand there are many possible ways to explain this, but this had me positively shook. I was sitting at the very end of the boardwalk in downtown New Orleans on the Mississippi this Halloween morning, right by the French Quarter, if anyone's familiar. I decided to take my rental from where I was staying in Harvey over to the area by myself as I hadn't had much alone time in the city. It was about 1 a.m. when I ended up sitting down on a bench at the very end. I cracked one of the two beers I brought with me and watched the river. To my right, about 25 or 30 yards away, was a group of three people and a dog. They were sitting and hung out for the first 20 minutes I was there. Now get this, there are only two ways to go when leaving this area. So with that in mind, the group decided to leave. As they did so, they split with one of them walking down the boardwalk away from me and the other two going down a staircase between myself and the bench. Both ways are completely visible from where I'm sitting. They get a good distance apart and start yelling something back and forth about what one of them decided for their costume or some bullshit. Then they leave. By this point, I'm done nursing my first beer, so I throw it back to get the last bit and realize there's someone on the bench out of the corner of my eye. When the original group of people left, the place was deserted. But here now was a young woman staring at me. I couldn't make out her actual features, but could see darker where her nose, eyes, and mouth were. She was wearing white, blue, or white, but I couldn't tell you if it was a dress or not. From the distance I was at, she seemed plainly pretty, so I quickly broke my gaze and went for my other beer. I cracked that one, took a sip, and looked back over to see if she was still looking at me. Maybe I could strike up a conversation with another person sitting alone. But she was gone. I mean, no one besides a homeless gentleman walking towards me, checking trash cans. I looked behind me in case she rushed down the staircase to the street below, but there was no one. I feel like I would have heard her run or hurry away even at the distance we were at. I mean, there was no one else there to make noise. I had just been thinking about how much history and energy had to be on the river too. Drunkenly typing this on a plane to head back home to Portland, 
But damn, I would love to hear if anyone has experienced something similar in New Orleans or anywhere, really. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of Blame It on the Aliens. I hope you guys enjoyed this New Orleans-themed episode as much as I did. I now am going to tell my little terrifying story. So I went to New Orleans for a weekend trip with my boyfriend, and we were near the French Quarter in Jackson Square, and he told me before we went down there, don't mess with the voodoo. That was like my one rule. And he goes down there a lot. So I was like, it's not that big of a deal. Like I'm probably going to get my tarot cards read, whatever. I think it's interesting. So I went my little self to the little tarot card man and I sat down and he said the most accurate, terrifying things to me that like couldn't be explained. I did not I purposefully did not give him information to see, you know, what he was going to say. And one of the things he said to me towards the end was that in three days, somebody close to me was going to be going to the hospital for something heart related. They would be okay and they would be discharged, but it would be a wake up call for their health. And I was like, okay, well, that's unsettling. I don't know how much I buy into this. But anyway, I told my boyfriend about it, not thinking anything of it. And on the way home the next day, he started getting like heart palpitations. Like I felt his heart rate. I work in the medical field and like they were very irregular. He told me his left side of his body was going numb. Like he was freaking out. And I was like, okay, well, we need to stop and call an ambulance. This is this was like totally out of the blue. And we got an ambulance and they took his blood pressure. It was crazy high. We took him to the ER. When we got to the ER, everything was normal. Like his everything, every scan was normal. And There was absolutely no explanation for anything other than this could have been a panic attack, but like we were totally chilling before this happened. He told me later on, like, because he was like kind of avoiding it, like he saw crazy things, like he felt like somebody had attacked him. And I was like, this is so extreme. Like, there's no way this happened. This man did not put a hex on you. Like he said nothing about you other than, somebody was going to the hospital, like we did not discuss you. He's convinced that I put a hex on him somehow and that this man gave him a heart problem and sent him to the hospital. I don't know, but I do think it's very crazy that this man told me that within three days and then the next day, and it was for a heart related issue. Like how crazy is that? I don't know. It gave me really bad creeps and made me feel like, I don't know, dark, like something dark happened. And I'm probably really paranoid, but I thought that was terrifying enough for a New Orleans themed episode. And anyways, these ghost stories gave me the creeps and I will be doing more paranormal slash ghost stories soon because now that I have the courage, clearly I can you know, conquer all. But if you have not already, 
rated, reviewed, and subscribed. It means a lot to me, especially the reviews. Um, I see the ones that have been left and it makes my day and makes a huge difference in the show. So if you are enjoying this show, please take the time to take, I mean, rate me five stars and leave a little comment review and share it with friends and everything. Post it on your socials. It really, really does mean the world to me. And I will be back next Thursday. I've been inconsistent thus far, but I will be back on every Thursday with new creepy content. I want to hear from you guys. So please, if you even just want to say, hi, love the show, send me an email at blameitonthealiens1 at gmail.com. If you don't want to write it all out, if you have a story, you can also click the link in my description to send in a voice message. I don't care what it says, just send one. I'm all ears. And I'm also on Instagram, Blame on the Aliens Podcast is my username. DM me. Um, and I'm on TikTok, Blame on the Aliens Pod. So follow me everywhere, share the message, and I will be back next week with more creepy content. And as always, if you can't explain it, blame it on the aliens, baby.